Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Hi there, and welcome back to the Autism Helper Podcast. I am super excited to introduce this new series of podcast episodes. We will be doing a series of mini ABA episodes. So these episodes are going to be short and sweet, 10 to 15 minutes, and I'll be interviewing different BCBAs, board certified behavior analysts in the field on one specific topic under the umbrella of applied behavior analysis. We're going to have these episodes come out two times a week. So we're going to have new episodes come out on Mondays and on Wednesdays. And that's because I have so many good episodes coming for you. There are so many good topics that have been covered through these interviews. I really honestly can't wait for you to listen to them all. And I love that they're short and sweet. I love that you can listen to an episode while you walk your dog, while you drive your kids to school, while you're folding the laundry, and you can learn one specific idea and figure out ways that you can utilize this concept in your classroom or in your household or in your virtual classroom. So I think this series is going to be really, really fun, and I hope you enjoy it. So to start us off on our series, I have board-certified behavior analyst Jane Logvanova, and Jane is one of the co-founders of ABA Desk, which is a data collection and graphing software. And guess what Jane and I are talking about? 
data. You guessed it. So we are going to kind of review why you collect data. What is the point and what should you do with it? As Jane points out, that's the analysis in applied behavior analysis. You've got to use the data. This is a really fun conversation and I think is a perfect one to get us started in this series because you'll get those wheels turning on the times when you should be taking data and how to do it in a simple and easy to use way. So let's jump into this conversation. Hi, Jane. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. So today, Jane and I are going to talk about data, which if you're not a data person, don't roll your eyes quite yet, because today we're going to really break down, you know, what data collection means and why we do it and kind of have a little refresher to getting back to the reasons behind data collection. So Jane, you want to start us off by even just going back to the beginning and explaining what data collection is. Sure. Yeah. Um, And little do you guys know, you guys do data collection all the time. If you are on a diet, you're more than likely weighing yourself, looking at the numbers and just seeing how well you're doing. And if you're making progress, that's basically what data collection is. We're just tracking progress over time to make sure that what we're intending to do is actually working. Yes. I love that example. Like we, we take data already. (laughs) We do. And if not, it's already taken for us. I mean, literally, if you look at your phone, it tells you how much data you've used to make sure that you have the right plan for your phone. Right. If you have stocks, look, there are graphs to make sure that you're making the one, the money you want to make. If not, you're going to change course because you know, it's really bad to lose a ton of money. Um, So there are definitely some consequences to not looking at the data as well. Right. You might spend your time, doing something that you probably shouldn't to the detriment of yourself or of your clients or whoever you're trying to help. Um, Yeah. That's kind of the gist. (laughs) And why is data collection so important in a classroom? Well, across the board, right? If you're trying to teach something, you want to make sure they're learning. Otherwise, you're just kind of talking at people and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, as a teacher, which I used to be actually, um, you know, I want everybody to thrive. And I think the best indicator of that is the data, right? So whether we're looking at grades, if we're just going old school, um, or if we're looking at how many sight words they know, you know, how long they can sit in their chairs, that's a good, that's a hard thing to do, especially for me. Um, but it might be a really kind of good pre-learning skill that we might want to track if we're trying to change it anything. Um, just so we know, should I keep doing what I'm doing or do I need to change things up to really help this person thrive? Exactly. We don't want to be wasting our time doing something that's not effective. Yeah. If you were on a diet and you were gaining weight instead of losing, you probably wouldn't continue doing what you're doing for very long. So <laughs> you're I like, oh, I shouldn't eat carbs. I messed that oh, up. <laughs> I will eat carbs. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, you know, I think so so often, you know, we get intimidated by the term data and how much data we could take and knowing where to start and how much to do and how often. And there's all these what ifs. So let's break it down and feel free to use kind of any hypothetical example. Where do we start with this data collection process when we're looking at teaching a new skill to a learner? Yeah. And I think before we actually get into data collection or I say data, sorry. Big oh, it's fine. The field, I know we're going to fight about it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> duke it out. No, um, no. But I think the first place you want to think is, what am I trying to change? Right? What about it am I trying to change? And that is really going to help you choose the right way to take data because one way doesn't one doesn't really kind of fit, you know, 
all situations, right? So we might mm-hmm. track plus minus data. We might, you know, track duration data to see how long they're doing something for. So it really just depends on what we're trying to change. Um, once we figure out what it is that we're trying to change and what about it, then we want to see, um, you know, maybe let's start with, you know, seeing, well, okay, what, what recording type should we use to ch- to track that, right? So if we have a goal, like we want them to raise their hand instead of interrupting in class, right? So mm-hmm. we might take some trials data, right? Some plus minus. So out of all the opportunities they had to speak up in class, how many of like, if, if they did raise their hand and wait, they get a plus. If mm-hmm. they were called out, they got a minus. And then you can track a very simple percentage, right? We learned how to calculate percentages back in what, elementary school, middle school? So very simple math here. And then you just kind of compare the dots to each other over time and see, hey, is interrupting going down, right? Or is the percent of um, is the percent of raising their hand increasing? Um, because if that's the case, then great, we're going to continue doing what we're doing, right? If we notice that the line is going in the opposite direction, um, you know, than we intended, right? If we're trying to increase the behavior and it's going down, that's probably not very good for what we're trying to do. So we might want to change course. I love that example because it's simple. I think, you know, sometimes the assumption is that it has to be really complicated or really complex or no. time consuming, and it doesn't have to be. Honestly, the more complex to make it, you make it, the more likely you are to mess it up, especially if you have more than one person in charge of tracking. Um, and there are, you know, differences in education, differences in experience, differences in opinion on, on what constitute a correct or incorrect answer, um, you know, or whatever it is that you're tracking. So I think the harder you make it, the worse it's going to go. So you really want to keep it simple and you really want to only track the things that you are actively trying to change. If you want to change it later, maybe put it on hold for a little bit. Because if you're taking data all the time, you're also not going to have enough time to engage with people. Um, so oh, yes. Take away from the experience either. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, there's like two things I want to talk about. I want to talk about correct and incorrect in a minute, but let's talk about what you were just saying about knowing which things to take data on. Because I get that question a lot from teachers. Like we have IP goals, we have behavior goals, we have other skills we're working on. I can't take data on everything all day. And that's a great point. You want to take data on things you're actively working on. So how do you how do you advise prioritizing what and when to take data on? Yeah, and I think it just depends on on the grand scheme of things. So things like aggression, right? That's really important, right? That's just a big thing. It, it kind of gets in the way of interactions. It gets in the way of your education and people could get hurt, right? So that's something we probably want to kind of get down to zero really quickly. And that's something that might happen across a lot of scenarios. Um, So that we might want to kind of track all day. How we track it is going to vary, of course. And we can talk about that if you want to, because there are 40 different ways we can do it. Um, You just kind of pick one that works. But if it's something very specific, like how many sight words they can read, 
you're not going to do that all day, right? You're going to maybe probe it a little bit, you know, only at the table, or are we just going to track this? Um, mm-hmm. or during learning time, only, you know, at recess, for example, if we're working on having them engage more with their peers, we're only going to track that at recess. And honestly, if you're kind of swamped, maybe just track it once a week, you know, just pick something consistent and stick to it just so that it's comparable over time. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause I think so, you know, so often I, I joke with teachers that, you know, we make this, this beautiful data binder with like 57 tabs and it's color coordinated. And we're like, we're going to take a data on every skill all day. And you do it for like three yeah. days. And then you're like, nope, that was exhausting. <laughs> it's totally overwhelming. Right. And then you think about it. If let's go back into dieting, sorry, I'm in the middle of a weight loss journey. It's showing. So <laughs> I'm actually working with Dr. Nick Green um, of behavior fit to make kind of gradual changes in my behavior uh, revolving around kind of weight loss and health. So it's pretty funny. Um, but I'll just use these examples because I love these examples. It's great. Thank you. It's always the same example. Sorry guys. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, if I was trying to change my my health behavior, it's really hard to track how much I weigh, you know, how often I want to do that, how many calories I'm eating, how many carbs and you know, all my macros and all of that, how my measurements, it's a lot, it's overwhelming and then it kind of takes them away from the stuff that you should actually be doing. Um yeah. you get so you get so overwhelmed that you're like I'm just going to do this half-heartedly because it's all I can handle, right? So ultimately what you need to think of when you're taking data is how much can I actually handle? Because if you're a teacher, for example, this is not your only kid, right? There are like 20 more. They might also have goals you need to track. So how many arms do you have? Let's think about <laughs> it. And let's think, what can we? what's feasible here? And also, what can you delegate? Yes, that's great advice. So I want to go back to what you said a few minutes ago about correct and incorrect and how we can really make sure that everyone's on the same page. Because oftentimes, you know, it's you're not the only one collecting data. Your RBTs, your paraprofessionals, are also collecting data. So we want that consistency. So how can we utilize an operational definition to really help make sure that consistency is happening and that we're all taking data on the same thing? Sure. Yeah. And then operational definitions are great. So just for anybody who's listening, who doesn't know what an operational definition is, it has nothing to do with being a detective, I promise. So (laughs) all it is, is an observable, measurable, behavioral definition of what a behavior is. So if we were talking about aggression, you know, what's aggression? We want to know. Some people might think it's, you know, just saying something mean, you know, flipping the bird at somebody. It could be punching somebody in the face. There are a lot of things you can do that might be perceived as aggressive, but, you know, whoever is kind of in charge of making this goal needs to determine, well, what about this is the thing that I actually want to change and what counts as that? So, in my case, maybe I would say, um, I say in my case, like I'm aggressive. I'm really not in, <laughs> in my life, to be clear. No, but you know, for me, typically what I say is aggression is forceful contact towards somebody else's body with, um, with you know, your body or an object. So, right, you make forceful contact, boom, that's aggression for me. So anyone else who's tracking it, you know, they're going to see, does this tick all the boxes? If so, yes, that's going to count as aggression. I'm going to track it right? Oh, they gave somebody a high five, right? That's forceful contact with <laughs> body part or object, um, you know, on toward another person or whatever. Technically that fits. So what I like to do whenever I have an operational definition, I'm a super duper captain literal pants. So I also like to have non-examples there as well. 
So I'm going to say high fives don't count, right? Throwing a ball towards somebody while playing a sport, contextually appropriate, <laughs> okay. That's going to be okay, uh, right? Sparring and karate. <laughs> like, I feel like if you don't, then you're probably not karateing correctly. That's a verb now, by the way. Um, so you have to really make sure that the most Captain Literal Pants observer is going to know exactly what it is and what it isn't to make sure that your graph actually shows what you want it to show. Because yes. if you're, and it's key for staff training, like how are you, you you might not be at the playground when they're playing dodgeball and your, your staff member might be like up oh, aggression, aggression, aggression. And you're like, no, they're just playing dodgeball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you want to give everybody the tools to get it right. Pretty much. It's kind of like putting warn- warning labels on things. <laughs> we have to yes. give everybody the disclaimers. <laughs> So for our academic skills, can you kind of talk through an example of utilizing an operational definition for maybe a skill or behavior that's more academic based? Because I I see operational definitions used pretty frequently for behavior plans because that's typically built into something. But I think it's so helpful and important to do this process for skill acquisition as well. Yeah. I mean, as humans, we are pretty biased and pretty subjective. So I feel like operational definitions, we can definitely generalize to anything that needs to be tracked, especially if we're going to do things like, oh, I'm going to consider this correct. I'm going to consider this as incorrect, right? So Mm -hmm. let's say we're talking about teaching a kiddo features, right? Hey, tell me three features of an item, right? So we're just working on kind of building their language repertoire, their understanding of things. So features kind of anything that just, you know, describes things in some capacity. So, and I actually have a funny story. So I have one kiddo that I was working with and I said, you know, tell me three features of a, let's say a fork, whatever. And then he's like, okay, it's made out of metal. Cool. Right. Solid. Um, You know, it has tines. Great. It's got a logo. And I'm like, well, most things do. Guess where this logo response came into? Literally anything I asked him the feature of. Everything has a logo. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're technically not wrong. It's not really a defining feature. Like, I'm not the part. If I were playing charades, I probably wouldn't start doing a logo. If I were Mario, I wouldn't start- but that's smart. Now he only has to label two features. Yeah, right? Like, so you want to think like, you know, you don't want to say, hey, you're not wrong. You want to say you are absolutely right. So we're going to talk about, I'm going to consider defining features, features that make it different from something else, right? So whatever it is that your definition is, or maybe your operational definition of a correct response might be literally made out of metal, tines, and um, wow, I need, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on a third feature for forks. So clearly that's a program that <laughs> I need to run for myself. Whoopsies. Um, and it has a handle. There you go. Done. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So maybe we want them to say those three specific things, right? Um, or if we were working on uh, verbal imitation, right? We want them to just imitate what we say. And let's say the word is cat, right? I'm going to say a correct response would be that they pronounce, you know, syllable by syllable. So mm-hmm. cat, if they said cat or at or can, not so much. I'm going to count that as incorrect. You know, it might be great progress. Absolutely. Maybe I might count it as an approximation, but I'm not going to count it as full-blown correct. Yeah. And that's going to really help your data be so much more consistent, which means you'll know if the student or child is making progress or not. That's the whole point. Yeah. And it definitely kind of helps remove our biases because, you know, if we're having a bad day, everything sucks. Yeah. (laughs) We don't want that. Um, Or if you've been working on a skill for so long and they say, 
you know, in your example, they say cat, and you're like, all right, that's good enough. Well, we and you're like, no, oh. right? Well, no, yeah, we definitely don't want that because then we're kind of doing an injustice. Instead, look at your sad, sad graph. That's what it's there for. If it makes you a little sad, that's okay. That's hopefully going to prompt you to be like, hey, you know what? Maybe we're not making the progress we wanted. Let's stop beating the dead horse. Let's change what we're doing because clearly this is not working and that's okay. That's literally what the data is there for. It's not just to give you like a good job. You did it because sometimes you don't and we don't want to waste time not doing it. Um, yes. Oh my gosh. I could, I could talk about this for like, I'm sure you could do for many hours. I'm like over here, like nodding so aggressively. Um, yes. And, and, and that, and that piece, you know, that second piece of utilizing the data is just, I mean, I rant, I preach this constantly. If you're not going to use the data, there's literally no point in taking it. it. It's it's consuming. It's like stuff you have to carry or pay for. (laughs) Like, it's, it's a lot. And um, yeah, if you're going to go through all that effort, you have to utilize those data to make those decisions. Like, like yeah. you said, is this the sad graph that I need to change or am I on the right track? Exactly. And in our field, right? Applied behavior analysis. Like you, if you're not looking at data and analyzing it, you are not doing applied behavior analysis. You're just doing stuff. It might be fun. You might be making some progress, but you don't know. There's no graph. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jane. This was, I think, really helpful and really fun to talk about all the different ways we utilize data both in and out of the classroom. So thank you so much for sharing all your ideas. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.